Genesis. Genesis chapter 26, if you would. Let's uh, read a, a few verses here. Just follow along with me. Genesis chapter 26, it said, And there was a famine in the land, beside the first famine, that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto Isaac and said unto him, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I will tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee. I will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries. I will perform the oath which I swear unto the Abraham thy father. Verse 4, And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Then come over to verse 12. The Bible says, Then Isaac sowed in that land, just like God said, Stay here and sow. He sowed in that land, and he received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him, and the man waxed great, and he went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. They envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. Oh, hallelujah. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. Verse 18. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. In verse 19, And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitnah. And he removed from there and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Hallelujah. If I had a title for this message today, I would title it, I would just call it Well Diggers. Well Diggers. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you, Lord, for what you've already done. Oh, Holy Spirit, we honor you. We surrender the rest of this service to you this time, Lord. I pray for your anointing upon this vessel of clay. I pray for your anointing upon every heart and every ear today. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to your church. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in uh, the scripture that I have just read to you that there was a famine in the land. There was a famine in the land of Isaac. There was a famine in the land in the days of Abraham. But there's also a famine in the land in the days of Isaac. And friend, can I tell you, there's a famine in the land today. There's a famine in the land, the Bible says in the book of Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Friend, that's the famine we're in today. The famine that he's speaking of here. It's not a 
absence of or shortage of the Bible. There's Bibles. There's so many Bibles out today. You can't count them. There's so many commentaries, so many different viewpoints and, and different perspectives. So he's not talking about a famine or a shortage of the Bible or even commentaries or even the Word of God or even the preaching of God for that matter. But the Bible says this famine is for the hearing of the Word of the Lord. What is he saying? I asked God when I read that scripture. I said, Lord, what do you mean for the hearing of the words of the Lord? And he said, the famine is for hearing ears. In other words, God is speaking, but few are listening. We're in that famine today. Let me tell you, friend, the word of God is priceless. It's priceless. If we understood how powerful the Word is and how important the Word is and how necessary the Word is and the treasure and the wisdom and the life that is contained in the Word, we would, we would, we would honor it. We would esteem it. I, I couldn't believe it. I walked into a shop one day and I bought a Bible for 25 cents. Uh, and I thought to myself, if people just knew the value of this holy book, uh, if they just knew the worth of this holy book, uh, you would not be able to purchase it from them. But we don't understand the value that the Word of God is priceless, but people treat it like it's worthless. They listen to the pure Word of God, but they don't hear God speaking. They act like the minister is offering them a buffet to pick and choose their favorite items and ignore the rest. And they refuse to sit under sound doctrine and be taught and be corrected and be processed. And they seek out teachers and preachers who only serve ear candy. You say, what's ear candy? Well, ear candy is sweet stuff that makes them happy and makes their ears happy. He says in the book of 2 Timothy 4 and 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. After their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, the Lord is saying this, the Spirit is saying by the Apostle that the time will come when people will reject sound doctrine and they'll be like a little puppy dog and they'll only go where they can get their ears scratched. My dad has a couple of little chihuahuas and they love to get their ears scratched. And they'll sit up in his lap for an hour and let him scratch their ears. And people are like that today. We're in a famine where people only want to hear what makes them feel good and only want to hear what they like and what's easy on them. And, and that famine is here now. That famine is in the earth today. But I want to talk to you even about another famine. And that was in the life of the prodigal son. The Bible says in Luke 15 and 14, when he had spent all, when he had wasted his substance, when he had depleted his supply, the Bible says there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. What does that mean? That means you can go a little while on what you got in the bag, but eventually you got to get filled up again. He had wasted his substance. See, he took something with him when he left the father's house, but he never got replenished. I don't care how much you get here Sunday morning. You better get in the presence of God between Sunday and Wednesday, and you better spend some time in the Word. You've got to get replenished. And you could go a little while on what you got in the bag, but eventually you've got to get a refill. God told Samuel, rise up and fill your horn with oil. The Bible says there arose in this uh, young man's life a famine in that land, and he began to be in want. 
That means to be in want means to fall short, to be deficient, to come behind, to be destitute, to fail, to lack, to be left behind in the race. So to fail to reach the goal, to fall short of the end, and to fail to become a partaker. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't fail. God doesn't want you to fail to become a partaker. I don't care. You may go to a church and it may be the most full gospel, Pentecostal, tongue-talking, aisle-running, pew-jumping church in the county. But that's not going to save you. And that's not going to get you to heaven. You've got to have a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to know Him for yourself. You've got to talk to Him. And He's got to talk to you. Many Christians are in a time of famine today and they don't even know it. Partly because ministries they are under are dead. If you've got a dead head, you're going to have a dead body. Amen. And partly because they're satisfied there. And partly because they've become lazy and comfortable and adjusted and they've lost their zeal for God and church is just a ritual. It's just a performance to quiet the conscience uh, and all they want to do and all they want to hear is what makes them feel good. Friend, I want you to feel good, but I'm more concerned about you being good than about you feeling good. I'm more concerned about you knowing Jesus. I'm more concerned about you making heaven. I'm more concerned about you knowing the power and the presence of God in your life than I am about you feeling good. God told Isaac, sojourn in this land, I'll be with you. Stay here. See, he's getting ready to scat, man. Because Egypt was in famine. He said, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go down to Egypt. I'm going to go down to... He was in, in uh, uh, Gerar. He said, I'm going down to Egypt. And God told him, don't go. He said, stay here and I'll bless you. Sow your seed in this land. So Isaac obeyed God. And the Bible says he sowed that seed in that land... And he received in the same year a hundredfold. He sowed in the time of famine in a place where it didn't make any sense and the Lord blessed him. See, many times we're guilty of running from one place to another, of looking to find spiritual strength and looking for supernatural release and looking for a breakthrough and looking for someone to prophesy over us and blessings to come into life. But can I tell you something? The greatest testimony of God's faithfulness and His power is for you to be the tool that God uses to break the famine. For you to break open the way for others. You see, friend, listen, it's not the will of God that someone else always has to pray the power down for you. It's not God's will that someone else always has to break through for you. Someone else always has to be the one to release the anointing. The will of God is for every one of us to become the instrument that God can use to set people free. That He will use your hands. He will use your mouth to break the drought in their lives, uh, to bring the miracle within reach, uh, to bring the fire to them. Uh, In other words, uh, I am anointed to dig wells. Hallelujah. More so than that, I am anointed to carry the water with me everywhere I go. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Neighbor. are you a well digger? digger? What does that mean, a well digger? That means I can find the presence of God wherever I am. 
I can dig down and find the presence of God. It doesn't matter if I'm in a time of famine all around me. That famine may be around me, but it don't have to be in me. Hallelujah. I can find the presence of God. I can find that anointing. I can find the power of God. And you can carry it wherever you go. Come on, lift your hands and thank God for the anointing right now. I feel God doing something. Hallelujah. Genesis 26 and 14 through 16 it says, He had possessions, Isaac had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great store of servants and watch. And the Philistines envied him. Oh, Hallelujah. How many know that God can bring you to a place of such blessing that the enemy will envy you? It shouldn't be that the Christians look at what the world drives and wish they had what they had and envy them. Drive by their house and envy them because they got some envy the drug dealer because the drug dealer has all of this and we don't have anything. My friend, God can bring you to a place of abundance and God can bring you to a place of blessing where the drug dealer will look at you and envy you. That's the Bible. The Philistines envied him. And then what did they do? The Bible says, All the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them up. They filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us. Abimelech, the king of where he's at. I thought, man, is this something? Is this something? Isaac comes into the land. Isaac is a foreigner. Isaac has nothing in the land. Isaac is blessed. He grows. He multiplies. And the king looks at him, a foreigner, that comes over and he says, Now you're bigger than us. You're blessed more than us. You've got to get out of here. You're making us look bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's my God. He said, go from us, for you are mightier than us. My friend, listen to me. That's the devil. The devil knows that the greater one lives on the inside of you. The devil knows that you've got more power over him. The devil knows that you are sons and daughters of God. The devil knows that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But if you ever find it out, he's in trouble. Glory to God. So... When the devil sees God's blessings on you, he sees God's blessing you, he will do everything he can to steal it from you. The wells represent the Spirit's flowing and the refreshing and the life and the power of God in our lives, the, the abundance, the blessings of God. And I have learned something over the years. The Satan targets the Holy Spirit's presence and operation in our lives. He targets that. He wants to quench the flow of the Spirit from our lives. His design is to quench the Spirit's operation in us and through us. The Bible said they filled the wells with earth. Earth means natural, carnal, worldly things, lust of other things, choke the word, fear, anger, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, criticism, 
selfishness, business, busyness, too busy, pride, jealousy, pleasure, worldliness, stopped the wells and the wells were no longer flowing. No more refreshing. No more blessings coming from the wells. Who stopped the wells? The Bible says the Philistines did it. Well, you can look and you can say, well, I'm not praying like I used to pray. I'm not walking like I used to walk. I don't have that fellowship and that communion like I used to have with the Lord. I don't have that intimacy and that relationship like I used to have. But it's not my fault. It's the Philistines' fault. Let me tell you, friends, the devil is a liar. You can't blame the devil for losing your anointing. You can't blame the devil for losing your passion and your zeal for God. You've got to blame yourself. Hallelujah. What does Philistine mean? Philistine comes from a root word that means to wallow. Self. Wallow self. What's that mean? Basically, it's just very simply saying self. Self did it. The devil didn't do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the devil. He makes the, he, 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 op, he initiates things. He creates opportunity. He creates opportunity for us to get so busy that we don't have time for God. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read the Word. We don't have time for church. We don't have time for fellowship with God. He creates opportunities, but it's up to us. See, only you can quench the Holy Spirit in your life. He creates opportunity for you to lose your temper. He creates opportunity for you to gossip. He creates opportunity for those things to happen, but He can't make you do it. He can't steal your joy. He can't steal your anointing. He can't steal your relationship with God. He creates opportunities, but only you can quench the Holy Spirit in your life. The devil will offer it up to you, but it's up to you and I whether it gets in the well or not. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor, don't let it get in the well. Don't let it get in the well. <laughs> the Bible says, Isaac digged again the wells that had been opened in the days of his father, which means that Isaac went to reestablish the foundation and the integrity of the faith of his fathers. It was a faith demonstrated by his forefathers. Let me just tell you straight up in this house. I'm a young person. I belong to a different generation. But I'm going to tell you in this house, we need some of that old time religion that grandma and grandpa had. We need some of that fire and some of that unction. And we need some of that in your face, the unashamed gospel of Jesus Christ in the pulpit today and in the pew today. We need some of grandma and grandpa's old time religion. A little old time religion would do us good. Oh, hallelujah. My friend, they used to catch on fire and they would call them holy rollers. And the reason they call them holy rollers is because they looked like they were on fire and they were rolling to try to put out the fire. And we don't have many holy rollers left anymore. You know why? Because there's not much fire left in the church. <laughs> We don't have many holy rollers in most places. All we have left is some holy smoke. <laughs> in a pile of ashes where there used to be a fire. I know it's a little funny, but it's sad. It's sad. Where's, where's the fire, man? Why did they roll? They didn't roll just because they thought it was a good idea. They rolled because the fire of God got on them. They rolled because the fire of God started doing something on the inside of them. 
there. The fire of God started burning on the inside of them. Started purifying and started sanctifying and started cleansing them. And that fire began to burn and they felt the fire of God and they began to roll under that unction and under that fire of God. But all we got today is a lot of smoke. I don't know about you. I'm going to tell you something. I miss that old time power of Pentecost. I grew up in a church where it was normal. I say it was normal. It's normal to see UFOs in almost every service. <laughs> Unidentified flying objects. Hairpins. Shoes. Wigs. <laughs> you see something go by. Oh. Man, it was normal to be under the bench and see feet dancing around all around you. Laying under a, pal- under a bench on a, on a pallet and seeing feet dancing around all over the place. It was normal to see during the middle of a song service, all of a sudden the power of God would hit somebody and they'd go to dancing and then it would hit the next person and they'd go to dancing, they'd go to shouting and pretty soon the whole church would be up on their feet shouting and dancing and praising God. It was normal! It was normal to see someone shout in the service. It was normal to see someone jump up and dance. It was normal to see someone take off running. And I don't believe that God has changed or that He has cooled down, but I believe many of God's people have let their wells get clogged up and there's no full flow of power anymore. I want the power. I don't want just trickles and drips of blessing. I want the full flow of the power of God. Come on, lift your hands and tell it that you want the full flow. Come on, tell it you want the full flow. If that means dance, you'll dance. If that means run, you'll run. If that means shout, you'll shout. If that means roll, you'll roll. Lord, we want the full flow of the power of Pentecost. Hallelujah. I'm hungry for Pentecost. I want the full flow. Amen. It's been so long in some churches that that they forgot what it looks like to experience a move of God. And let their wells get clogged up. There's no full flow of the power. The Bible says that then, after Isaac and his servants, they dug, redug the old wells and named them and gave them back their names. Then his servants dug new wells. See, first we have to regain any ground we've lost. We have to reestablish the principal foundations of our faith. We have to repair and restore any cracks in the foundation. Friend, listen, there will never be anything new until we've rightly honored the old. Those old timers, my grandma and grandpa, they paid a price to bring us what we have today. Those old timers that churches today and modern day preachers today want to laugh at and call it uh, your grandmas and grandpas old time religion. Friend, they paid a price to bring us what we have today. They paid a price to bring us this anointing and to bring us this freedom and to bring us this joy and to bring us this peace and to bring us this fire. They paid a price. They paid a price. 
They paid the price in prayer. They paid the price in being mocked and criticized and ridiculed for their faith. Friends, there was people in my town where my grandpa lived that were atheists and didn't even believe in God, but they believed in my grandpa. And they believed he was the real deal. You know why? Because my grandpa didn't care where he was at. Whenever God blessed him, he let people know he didn't care. He'd be walking through the store, and the glory of the Lord would touch him. He'd start shouting in the store, man. He'd start even walking down the aisle shouting and praising God. They didn't, they didn't do the same thing in church, man. He'd take off running in church. You never know. He'd be run, run by and grab you and take off running. Woo! That's my grandpa. Everybody knew that, man. Preachers knew that. Preachers, they knew me because they knew my grandpa. They said, are you anything like your grandpa? I said, no. Woo! <laughs> Not at all. Grandpa would get out of the church and go home and preach in his backyard. My grandpa, he'd get up, get in, out of his and out of his house and he'd hit a little electric car. He'd drive around town in that little electric car, saying, "Jesus is coming! Get ready! Get ready!" <laughs> he didn't care what they said about him. My dad said one day, my grandpa was working out in the cotton, and my grandpa, he said to the foreman one day, he said to the foreman, he said, can I, has, can I speak a word to these gentlemen? And that, that foreman thought, well, he's going to encourage him to work better. He said, yeah, go ahead. He jumped up on the cotton trailer and started preaching the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> the foreman said, I didn't say you could preach. <laughs> What are you saying? I'm saying they paid a price. They paid a price to bring us to this place. They paid the price of being mocked and criticized and ridiculed for their faith. They paid a price in living holy, separated, consecrated lives. My grandpa wouldn't have a TV in his house. He called it a television. He said, you're not going to put one of those televisions in my house. He said, it's a one-eyed demon. My grandpa was so strict, he, wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he didn't want to play baseball. You know? He, wouldn't even, he didn't want to get out in the yard and play baseball. And you know, we, we, we can we could make fun of him. And we can say that's ridiculous. But you know what? He lived what he believed. Amen. He lived what he believed. And because he lived what he believed, he walked in a place with God that few people walk in. Hallelujah. Because he lived what he believed. Many, 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 many times they carry my grandpa out of church, out of service, and put him in the back seat of a car, out in the tram, out under the power of God, and take him home and lay him behind the couch. And he stay in the trance sometimes for a day or two or three days in the trance as the power of God was upon his life. You can ridicule his faith if you want to, but it was real, man, and it brought him into the presence of God, and it gave him power with God. Paid a price. They paid a price of crucifying the flesh. They left us a heritage of faith and power. But so many today want some new, better, easier, less painful way. But you can't have a New Testament without an Old Testament. And we can't have a double portion, second outpouring without the first. 
Come on, lift your hands and ask God for the anointing. Ask God for the fire. Ask God for the outpour of the Holy Ghost and fire. Oh, Ramashata. Oh, God, help us, Lord. Oh, we want the fire. We want it, Lord. We'll never get a double portion and second outpouring if we despise the first. How in the world we expect we're going to have God send a mighty visitation and take us to another level if we criticize and make fun of the first level? There are, there are new wells we need to dig, no doubt. There are new wells. There are facets of God. There are revelations of God, of His Word, and manifestations of His power we have never known. But we first have to pay honor and respect to those that have gone before us and to the foundation that they laid. There are wells of revelation. There are wells of joy. There are wells of healing. There are wells of deliverance that are waiting for us to dig. The water is there like an underground river. But we must tap into it. We, listen, friends, no matter what Grandma and Grandpa had, they dug their wells, friends. They made a difference in the desert. And they dug their wells. And they brought refreshing everywhere they went. Because they were well diggers. And they knew how to dig wells. But, friends, we got to dig our own wells in this generation. we got to dig our own wells. I can drink a little bit from Grandma's well and a little bit from Grandpa's well. But if I don't dig my own well, it's not a benefit. I will die of thirst. And the land of family, you gotta know how to dig a well. Come on, say dig a well. Tell your neighbor, I'm a digger. Well, I'm gonna dig a well. I'm a well digger. Gotta dig a well. Got to dig a well. There's underground rivers running through here. There's rivers running through here. We may be in a land of famine, but there's underground rivers. But we got to know how to dig. We got to know how to pray until we hit pavement. We got to know how to seek God until the fire falls. We got to know how to call on God until heaven answers. Hey! So, are we going to dig wells? Or are we going to say, I can't dig a well here. The ground's too hard. There's famine in the land. People don't want to hear this message. People are hard and hard-hearted. They don't want to hear the gospel today. People don't want that old-time religion. People, we're modernized. We don't want that shouting, that running, that dancing, that emotionalism. Friend, anywhere there's life, there's emotion. If you want no life, go to the dead, go to the grave. Go to the graveyard. If you want quiet, there's plenty quiet there. If you want silence, there's plenty silence there. But if you get around places where there's life 
and where people are living and people are happy to be alive, there's going to be some sound. There's going to be some noise. There's going to be some racket. When Ezekiel prophesied in that valley of dry bones, hey, 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 there was nothing but a valley of death and brokenness and dry bones. But when he began to speak and prophesy, the Bible says there was a noise. Why was there a noise? Because life began to come into those bones. And when when life came into those bones, there was a noise. There was a racket. They started making a noise. They started moving around. They started jostling each other. Hallelujah. Wherever there's life, there'll be noise. There'll be emotions. There'll be activity. In digging these new wells, they met with opposition. And the only reason there's opposition is because the enemy knows when those wells are opened, his power will be broken. Satan always opposes the desire and the effort to move forward. You can choose, you can choose to avoid the battle and avoid the confrontation by doing nothing. Isaac could have avoided confrontation and just said, okay, forget it. I'm not going to bother digging any more wells. I'm leaving. But listen, four lepers in the Bible told us if we don't get up and get moving, we'll die right where we sit. Four lepers in the Bible sitting outside the city gate. Famine was inside the city gate. They were excommunicated from the city. Four lepers that said to themselves, the enemy is out there. Famine is in there. They said, go in there. They'll stone us to death because we're lepers or we'll die of famine. Said the enemy down in front of us. What are we going to do? I like the logic. Why sit we here till we die? They say if we're going to die, at least let us die on the march. He said if they said if we're going to die, at least let us be a moving target. Amen. Glory to God. Some of you ain't even a moving target. <laughs> at least. At least give the devil a moving target. Make him have to work to take you out. <laughs> they said, why sit we here till we die? What were they saying? They said, look, if we don't get moving, we're going to die where we sit. But it said, if we go, we, we, you never know. God might work for us. We never know what might happen. But we know if we stay here, we're going to die. And so they got up and started moving. And when they got up and started moving, the Bible says God amplified their footsteps. And the enemy heard them marching. He, they heard those four lepers marching like a mighty army. And the Bible says they fled. And they left their camels and their donkeys and their gold and their silver and their food and their tents and they headed over the hill. Why? Why? Because four lepers said, we refuse to stay here. We refuse to die. Hey, hey, hey. 
Because I love Ohosha. Come on, get on your feet. Get on your feet all over this house. Right now and tell God. Tell God I refuse to sit here till I die. Tell the devil I refuse to sit here till I die. Tell the devil if you want me, you're going to have to come after me. If you want me, you're going to have to catch me on the move. If you want me, you're going to have to run to catch me. Oh, Hallelujah. Yes, it is a new day, saith the Lord. Yes, it is a new day, saith the Lord. But I am the same God. And my power has not changed. And my desire and my will for my people has not changed. So the Lord would say, draw near to me, saith God, for I have something fresh and new that I desire to do in your life even this day. But you must show me that you desire it. You must show me that you're willing to move with me. You must get up, says the Lord, and move from the place where you are. You must show me that there's still something to move upon. There's still something for me to work with in your life, saith God. And if you will take one step, I will take ten. If you will take one step toward me, I will take ten toward you. And we will see glory, and you shall see my power and my glory manifested again in your life and through your life. For I have not changed, and I will do it again, saith the Lord. Whoa! Whoa! Come on, say, do it again! Say, do it again! Grandpa's gone! Grandpa's gone! My grandma and grandpa, they're gone! The Lord, do it again! Do it again with me! Take my hands and take my feet and take my lips and do it again! Oh, 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 He's looking for some old-fashioned hunger. He's looking for some old-fashioned desire. He's looking for some old-fashioned gumption. He's looking for some old-fashioned religion that will reach out and get a hold of him and won't let him go until he blesses you. Oh!
Hallelujah. Well, I preached my heart out today. And I'm not apologizing for any of it. I want you to reach out and take your neighbor's hand today. And although we're holding hands all across this building, and although we're unified, we're going to make this personal as well for one, for a few minutes here. If you've let dirt get in your well, you better get it out. If you let your well get clogged up with busyness and with, with fear and worry and strife and, and, bit and, and just, uh, just earthly things, pride and selfishness and, and worldliness and pleasure seeking, you better get it out. This is a time to get the well cleaned out. Come on, right now, just take a few minutes and want to clean that well out. Because I'm a shot Jesus, I want my well clean. I don't want anything in the way of the flow of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I let stuff get in my life that have clogged up the flow. I let stuff get in my life that's kept my kept me from my relationship with you. I let stuff get in my life, Lord. I haven't been spending time in your presence like I should. I haven't been spending time in your word. I haven't been faithful to church like I should. I haven't been faithful to my brothers and my sisters like I should. Oh God, I, I want to clean my well out. Lord, not just for myself, but for my children, for my grandchildren, for the, they're watching me, Lord. They're following behind me, God. I gotta dig some wells for my kids. I gotta dig some wells for my grandchildren. I gotta dig some wells for people I never meet, but you know them by name, God. Oh, oh, oh. Purify us, oh God. Purify your people, Lord. Cleanse us, oh God. We repent, Lord. We repent, Lord, of letting dirt get in our well. We repent, Lord, of letting stuff clog up the flow. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. 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 You see, you can't dig any wells until you get the dirt out of your own well. You can't dig wells until you get the dirt out of your own well. <laughs> Hallelujah. But there's a generation, friend, that they're looking at us. They're looking at the church right now. And they're saying, do you care about us at all? Do you care enough about us to live holy? Till the day I die, I'll remember the testimony of my grandpa. Till the day I die, I'll carry the rich heritage of his walk with God. My grandma... My grandma's a preacher. My grandma's a preaching machine. You walk into her house, the first thing she tells you, she say, come on in, tell me the good news, keep the bad to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I sit down with my grandma. I, would, I was a young preacher. I had things that I was learning. I was growing through process, you know. And I'd start throwing things out my grandma. She'd look at me right in the eye and she'd say, grandson, I'm going to tell you something. She said, I don't believe everything you tell me. She said, I'll put it in my mouth. I'll water it around a little bit. She said, if it sounds right, feels right with God and the Holy Ghost, I'll swallow it. She said, if it don't, I'm going to spit it out. 
God give us that kind of discernment in the church today. We don't just swallow everything. We don't just swallow it just because it's come from the pulpit. You got your Bible. <laughs> and read your Bible. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, lift your hands and say, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you even when it hurts. It's good for me. Lord, I want to be a well digger. Not just for myself, but for this next generation. For my children and my grandchildren. For those following. Lord, use me to make a difference for this next generation in Jesus' name. Now, how many believe He'll do that? If you believe He'll do that, just lift your hands and begin to thank Him right now. Because all He's looking for is people to work with Him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lord, I thank You for using me. I thank You for choosing me. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but you chose me. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not the best looking. I'm not the fastest, Lord, but you chose me. You chose me. And I want to work for you. I want to be faithful to the call. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 How many of you believe today? But through this word, the Lord has spoke something to you. You believe that, Mr. Hand? You believe the Lord has spoke something to you? How many believe God has put his finger on some things in our lives that we need to work on? <laughs> how many really, how many are really hungry for a fresh move of God in your life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you for the word of God. It's true. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Lord, as we leave this place, we covenant with you, God, to be well diggers. Not just to go through this life to get out of it, but to leave a heritage behind us. To leave signs behind us. To leave footprints behind us, Lord. To leave wells of refreshing behind us. Lord, we thank you today for the Holy Spirit, for the anointing of your Spirit today. Rest mightily upon your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. I appreciate you. We have service again tonight at 5 o'clock. We'd love to see you. Dig some wells. <laughs>